The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, thanks to you, Chadville, everyone out there who shared their thoughts of uh, Black Friday, that uh, awful day 30 years ago. Uh, we'll get around to some more of your comments. Lots more text came in and still have some more audio, uh, different clips from different er- interviews to play from you, play for you as well today. It's uh, Jay Lynn. Andrew is away. And uh, you know what? We've been talking about it. The countdown is on to the legalization of cannabis for Canadian adults. July 1st next year is the day the Trudeau Liberals have set for legalization. And despite uh, some talk by uh, the provincial premiers about asking for a possible delay, the federal government is holding fast to the July 2018 deadline. While this is going on, uh, the provinces, including Alberta, is asking for your input on who should own and operate cannabis stores and where smoking pot should be allowed. Their surveys you can spend a half an hour doing these surveys to catch up on with with everything that's going on. We've dialed up. Jody Emery, Canada's Princess of Pot, as she's known. Hi, Jody. Hi, thanks for having me. No, well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a busy day for you. You were um, back in court again this morning. Tell me, tell us what's going on. Well, it was another adjournment, another waste of taxpayer dollars <laughs> to appear as we do every month, uh, but hopefully working towards some sort of um, resolution at some point. I can't say whether this will be resolved soon or drag out for years, but it's definitely interesting to be in court facing life in prison <laughs> for peaceful activism uh, that helped make legalization possible. So very strange, interesting times. Jody, it, now does this all stem back to um, some some stuff that happened at, at the sh- at your shops earlier this year, wasn't it? Well, Cannabis Culture has been a magazine and a website and a head shop and vapor lounge uh, for about 23 years or so. And last year, I decided to venture into cannabis retail sales Mm -hmm. for adults with a a model that was based on, you know, the medical dispensaries, but looking to the future where adults can access cannabis just like they do in Amsterdam. Uh, So, yes, we were arrested on March 8th and charged with numerous offenses related to shops operating in Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, and across Canada. So I'm on bail right now. I'm not allowed to run my business or do anything like that, uh, but I'm still keeping up my activism and advocacy. <laughs> are you still, are, do you have to stay in Ontario? Where are you based out of right now? Well, I'm in Toronto. We have to live here, and we're not allowed to leave Ontario at this time, although I can return to BC when I notify the Toronto police. So we're hoping to change the conditions so that Mark, my husband, and I can travel across Canada as we've done before and meet Canadians and meet politicians and lobby for legalization properly the way that we've always been working on for decades. How frustrating uh, this must be for you, given that it's uh, less than a year to the legalization of marijuana and uh, you're dealing with all of this. And I know there was another bus, I think, out in Cape Breton over the weekend uh, as well at another shop. Um, You must pound your head against the wall. Oh, it's maddening, especially given that Justin Trudeau, who admits he smoked pot himself and that his own brother got his pot charge removed thanks to the connections their father had, Trudeau admits that marijuana laws are unfair, racially biased, unjust, 
and yet he refuses to stop arresting people for possession, which makes up about 75% of all the marijuana arrests in Canada. And so a few years ago, I've been doing activism for 13 years, but a few years ago when I was running to be a Liberal Party candidate in Vancouver East, uh, we were all in agreement across this country that legalization made sense because arresting peaceful Canadians and giving them criminal records was very harmful and costly. Uh, the industry already exists, and it's mostly peaceful and non-violent, consenting adults who are unfairly criminalized and forced to hide in the shadows. And the fact that we have police spending hundreds of millions of dollars going after people for a plant when we have many unsolved crimes and real serious crimes that should be focused on instead. So everyone agreed about that a few years ago. But now we're seeing this return to a very prohibitionist message where legalization is now being described as a way to restrict and limit access, to give police even more money and more law enforcement powers, and to not offer amnesty or pardons to the millions of Canadians who received arrests and criminal records over the years. I mean, their approach is looking to maintain prohibition, but to call it legalization because that's what the public demands. But unfortunately, people like me and my husband and tens of thousands every year across this country we're being arrested, mm. we're being prevented from having jobs and traveling. People can't even volunteer or go to the United States to see their family if they get busted for a joint, even in the 70s. So we're looking at a massive injustice that continues. So yes, every day, if you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> you'll find I'm constantly going on and on about this unfairness of arresting people when the government admits it's wrong and unjust. So why does it continue? Jody, I have another question for you here. A couple of weeks ago, uh, as you know, uh, Canada's premiers met in Edmonton. They say the federal government needs to provide more clarity as uh, they work to craft rules on legalizing marijuana. They, they, they didn't ask for a delay, but they said that there's a possibility that they could down the road. Do you, do you think that Canada is ready for this in 11 months? Well, we have to ask what this is exactly legalization should mean we stop criminalizing cannabis which is very easy to do you remove it from the criminal drugs and substances act but the government isn't looking to do that they're introducing legislation that continues to criminalize the existing market so everything that was illegal and is illegal now will remain illegal in the future unless you're approved by health canada to sell medical or recreational pot but the government across this country, the provincial government see that when the federal government insists on producing all of the cannabis and the provinces aren't allowed to produce it themselves, they can only distribute it, well, the provinces are saying, you're going to choke us off. We're not going to be able to get enough marijuana. Look at the companies now. These medical marijuana companies that legally exist, they only operate to serve patients by court order. But they're all greedily looking at the recreational market they're being sued by patients who aren't getting enough access. So while they neglect the patients they're meant to serve, these companies are trying to look into controlling the much, much bigger recreational market. What they refuse to accept, though, is that it already exists, that the vast majority of growers, according to the Justice Department, are nonviolent people who have no criminal gang connections. They're just peaceful Canadians who are criminalized under this decades-old policy. So the premiers are panicking because they're being told, you need to supply the means to access, but they know that as long as the federal government continues to restrict and limit access, 
and continues to order raids on dispensaries which provide access and have received support from federal courts. The governments provincially see that there's a big problem coming and they're definitely stressed out and I can see why. It's because the government of Canada, the Liberals, are making this unnecessarily complicated. They should simply allow dispensaries to continue to exist and transition to become legal, just like a coffee shop or a bar or a restaurant. But instead, they're looking to suppress the existing industry to allow a corporate um, business angle to try and control the market, which is doomed to fail because, as we can see, and as I've said, the industry already exists and they can't reinvent it. Hey, Jody, I, um, the Alberta survey um, on um, on uh, marijuana is open until a 4 o'clock this afternoon if people want to, to fill it out. I sat down, and uh, you can pick and choose the different things that you want to do to take the survey on you can do them all you can you pick one or pick two i don't care what it is um you know asking numerous questions like how will it be distributed uh, distributed and sold um you know what about public places where where will it be allowed to to be used and and minimum age so why are they asking then if, if you're saying that oh no they're just going to do it this way when it comes to being sold why are they asking in these surveys how do you think it should be distributed and sold and giving you options well, I think the government, as usual, likes to give people the impression that they're seeking public input and they care about what people think. But I've been watching this very closely for years now, and we've seen that many of these licensed producers, which a number of them are run and owned by former police and politicians and premiers and prime ministers who used to be against legalization, but aside from all those prohibition profiteers controlling the new companies, we can see that the lobbying has already taken place. We can see that when Bill Blair, the Toronto police chief who was put in charge of legalization, he is, you know, part of this big industry that seeks to limit the dispensaries and the existing market. But when you ask the public what they think, they want it legal. They support dispensaries. And unfortunately, when the government puts out these polls, the options they give are not really that great either. So when people go through the trouble of filling out these surveys and they're seeing that the actual questions and the answers you can give are not necessarily um, fair or balanced. So we can see that the unions are all scrambling to try and control it. The liquor distribution groups are trying to control it. The doctors and the pharmacy groups, they're trying to control it. Everybody who was against legalization is now trying to be the one in charge of it and to tell people it's dangerous and that they can protect us from it. Really, we should be looking at what the Canadian Senate Special Committee said in 2002, that marijuana should be legal for people 16 and older, that's 16, because it is far safer than alcohol, tobacco, sugar, pharmaceuticals, and that criminal records for young adults 16 and older cause far more harm to those individuals than cannabis ever could. Mm. So we have to look at all of the fear being spread right now and ask why everybody's looking and scrambling to cash in and why we're ignoring the reason to legalize which is that it's been an unjust law that's criminalized peaceful people for decades, denying them their rights and equal opportunities in this country, and it continues every single day, and that's a massive injustice, and it should be the focus rather than making money and figuring out who gets to sell it when and where.
Yeah, well, they're going to have to figure that out, though, too, though, Jody. Now, here, there's a story today that says uh, that convicted pot felons that want to own a legal marijuana business in Oakland, California, will now be given first chance to open marijuana businesses. It's all designed to make amends for the U.S. war on drugs. Your thoughts on that? Oh, I think it's wonderful, and that's news from a, a while ago. I've been sharing this because I keep telling the government here that they should do the same. You know, Justin Trudeau admits that marijuana prohibition is an unfair policy. Uh, So they should be apologizing for all of the arrests. But instead, they insist that the arrests continue. They insist that the raids continue. So the government of Canada is not looking to apologize for the harms of prohibition because they seek to continue criminalizing it and having illicit cannabis versus legal cannabis. They seek to maintain all of the criminal records and not offer amnesty to the peaceful Canadians who have been unfairly punished. So Oakland, California is doing a fantastic service. They're saying marijuana is not something new invented by men in suits for people to cash in on. It's not like Uber or something. It's an actual industry that people have been killed and imprisoned and violated for. And my job in my entire adult life has been studying the way that police and government policies on pot have resulted in grievous harms and violations against our civil liberties. And in Oakland, they're admitting that those poor people who are arrested and criminalized and denied their rights and jailed, they should be the ones allowed to do it first because they suffered for it and they paid the price. And when I look at what Mark Emery, my husband, has done over the decades, sacrificing and giving more than anyone towards legalization, an endless battle uphill, and now he faces life in prison yet again in our own country for doing nothing more than peaceful civil disobedience to change the laws like he did before and like people should still do. So I'm very curious to see how the next year or two turn out, uh, given that we legalization activists are facing prison while legalization is happening. Uh, But it looks like with the way they're designing this legislation, I still have a job as an activist because Canadians are going to still be harmed by law enforcement and being arrested for years to come. Well, Jody, you know, always uh, interesting to talk to you or your husband. We'll be uh, watching the court case very carefully over the coming months, and I'm sure that uh, as that deadline uh, to the legalization uh, ticks away here, we'll be talking to you again. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no, I really appreciate it. Have a great afternoon. You too. Jody Emery, Canada's Princess of Pot, joining us. Uh, what do you think? She says 16 years of age. The provinces will m- make up uh, the mind, uh, their mind on, on, on what age uh, pot should be available, 18, 19 years old. What do you think? I'll read some of your texts. You can get a hold of me at 630-630. William, we'll get to your phone call in just a second. Some of your texts coming in. Uh, Topher says, wow, when does she have time to breathe? Did you even get a word in, Jay? No, pretty much not. Uh, man, that woman can talk. She's stoned, but she does make a lot of sense. And a number of people are saying that. Uh, some more of your texts coming in. It, it's harmless, really? They said that about cigarettes, and it took 50 years to finally get governments and doctors to finally admit it causes cancer. Do we need to wait another 50 years to find out this has long-term harm, or should we do it right the first time and study it properly?
properly before it's released to the public. That's from Gamer Brian. And Brad Grand Prairie says, yeah, I know all the pot dealers uh, I went, knew in high school were real upstanding people, feel terrible for them. Marijuana hasn't always been, it will be a cash cow. Just now it'll be different set of people making the money, just like Harley's used to be for badasses. Now they're just for people with money. It's a fact of life. Hey, William. Hi. Uh, great program. Oh, I was going to say, I, I think that uh, if the age to buy marijuana is less than 19, you're going to see it rampant in the high schools because 19-year-olds, 18-year-olds, they go to high school. And if uh, you have a brother and, or sister in high school, then the junior high... It's already uh, in the high schools. Yeah. I would also, um, if people have a question about the long-term effects of marijuana use, your your last guess was came up with something, if I understand correctly, you know, the abuses of the criminal justice system harming the uh, people who were uh, breaking the law in the mm. past. So I would like to complain that I've been getting speeding tickets for years, and <laughs> I'm a victim because, you know, I think the government owes me money for all those tickets they gave me. <laughs> yeah, but, but they're not program. legalizing speeding, though, William. That's the difference. <laughs> well, I, I, I do know a number of people who have smoked an awful lot of marijuana in their lives, and they'll look at me straight in the face and tell me how it hasn't harmed them at all, and they're social pariahs. Like, mm-hmm. nobody wants to be around them yeah. because, like, they're they're kind of off their nuts sometimes. Yeah, but there's a lot of folks that smoke pot uh, on a regular basis that are holding down great jobs, are fully functional, all that sort of stuff. I know a lot of them, William. That's the thing. Well, I, I didn't say they weren't holding down jobs. I know of a lot of people that are employed that um, have some pretty strange ideas. You know, they. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I won't. I, I won't take your time. I'd, I'd love to listen to more of your comments. Thank you. Thanks, William. Thanks for giving us a call. This text before we go to break uh, says Jody doesn't sound like an activist. She sounds like a protester who's scared of becoming irrelevant when cannabis when cannabis is legalized. Rather than celebrating success, she breaks laws to keep herself and her husband's names in the news. It's time to stop pushing against the government and start pulling with them. Uh, Brenton Dreger has latest news headlines. Next. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.